This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. What's going on, y'all? It's your host, Will, coming back for a new episode of the Huntstand Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be bringing on a good friend of ours, Dan Johnson, Nine Finger Chronicles Podcast. If you heard of him, if not, you need to go check him out. He's got a dope podcast. I listen to it myself, so if you're a big bow hunter or just a hunter in general, go check his podcast out. So we're going to get Dan on here today to talk about how to define success. You know, it's it's been a long deer season. It's almost Christmas. Some people have tagged out. You may not have, and you're still trying to go after that target buck. You're just trying to put meat in the freezer for you and the family. And so we're not always successful. You know, we don't always get that target buck. And sometimes there's years where we don't even kill and that's okay. And so we're getting Dan on here to talk about a few things around that and how to define success if you don't kill or if you don't achieve that goal that you were going after this year. So not only that, we're going to talk about some late season strategies, how he tackles deer hunting this time of year, some different tips and tactics he does as well. So we're just going to get Dan on here to pick his brain and talk about his story. So we just want to thank all y'all for tuning in the Hunt Stand Podcast. We really appreciate the support, all the downloads and listens we've gotten from y'all so far this year. It's been awesome. The support's been amazing. So we just want to say thank you to all the listeners out there. And we, we think we got a really special podcast for you today. And you definitely don't want to miss out on this. But on a side note, if you haven't downloaded Hunt Stand yet, make sure you do. We got the free version. We've got the pro version for $29.99 a year. And then new this fall, we have launched Pro Whitetail. That's just $69.99 a year. You get a ton of different features to help you chase after some giant whitetails. Included in that, we have a whitetail activity forecast tool. You've got a rut map that has been put together with Brian Murphy on our team over here that got together with like seems like a million different wildlife biologists to put this together and just all the different things that went in to build this is pretty amazing. So if you want to have that, make sure you got HuntStand app, download it, upgrade to Pro Whitetail today. You don't want to miss out on that. And again, y'all, we just want to thank you for tuning in to the HuntStand podcast. And here's our guy, Dan Johnson. Well, Dan, 
Man, welcome to the Hunt Stand Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day today to just talk with me, man. So welcome to the Hunt Stand Podcast. Hey, dude, I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, one of the things I like to do, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know you, know your name, know your voice already. But for those that don't, I like for the guest to give those listeners what I call the 30 foot tree stand view of who you are, kind of where you're from and how you've gotten to where you are in life, man. So tell us about Dan. <laughs> man, that's a loaded question. I know, right? Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you this. I have, I'm going to start kind of backwards. I have gotten to where I'm at today by the hard way. And what I mean by that is being a dumb young person learning every lesson, both in the tree stand and out of the tree stand, the hardest way possible, right? Getting in trouble or, you know, making bad decisions. And eventually um, my parents raised me good enough to where I was able to learn from those mistakes and pull myself out of whatever hole I was in and come out a better person. So um, (laughs) just kind of a, a really rough road that was just full of learning experiences all the way uh, until really I had my, you know, really until I got married in 2010. And then from, from that point on, or I got married in 2012, I'm sorry. So uh, 2012, a little bit of a lifestyle change happens, you know, you get married um, eight months, nine months later, or yeah, nine to 10 months later, or something like that. I had my first daughter, or my my first kid, my mm-hmm. daughter. And that was that was a, a really big life changing experience for me. And because now I wasn't just responsible for myself, I was responsible for some of somebody else. Right. Yeah. And so that was a that was a big moment. And so now fast forward to today, I am like this is not necessarily in this order, but the first three things are father, husband, business owner. And then after that is bow hunter. So that is, I guess, if you're going to put a label on me, uh, that is what I I in this in this uh, climate, this social climate, that's what I identify as is uh, a husband, a father, uh, a business owner, and then a bow hunter after that. I like it, man. Our stories kind of line up there a little bit. I like it. I like it. So tell us about Nine Finger Chronicles. You know, how did that get started? And, you know, <laughs> tell us, tell us more, man. Yeah. So uh, really the story for the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast started in 2005 when I got my finger cut off in an industrial accident. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I got, I always lie to people because what I'm about to tell you isn't that cool. So usually I make up some kind of uh, cooler story like, oh, dude, I was hand fishing and I got my finger bit off by a snapping turtle or, you know, I lost it in a, in a fight or, or, you know, like in a bar fight and somebody bit it off, you know, just something crazy. It's funny you say that because I had an uncle, an uncle that also had a finger missing and uh, he would tell us all the time. He's like, man, I, I went diving once and a shark bit it off so that's yeah, what he used to tell us right, right and and my family is littered with people missing fingers i mean it, it, it's it's just like uh um 
farmers, you know, construction workers. Yep. And so, you know, when you would, I never thought about it until it actually happened, but uh, I look around, my grandpa was missing part of his finger. My uncle, uh, you know, and some other relatives were missing uh, parts of thumbs and fingers from saws and combine uh, belts and, and things like that. So uh, I fit right in when it happened. And then, so a whole bunch of time goes by in 2006, I started taking so I, I lost my finger in 2005 mm-hmm. and then 2006 is when I had kind of this awakening where I said to myself, Hey man, I want to, I want to bow hunt as much as possible, uh, every day if possible. And I was 26 at the time. And so I jumped into, I, I had been hunting for a while, but I started taking it really serious. I wanted to learn everything about the animal, how they move through the terrain, all that stuff. Uh, in a, uh, in 2006. And then, you know, I did some other things within the hunting community and in the hunting industry. I jumped on board with Mark Kenyon uh, and the Wired to Hunt podcast. I think it was 2013 or early 2014. And then in, in 2014, I believe is when I actually started the Nine Finger Chronicles blog and podcast. Ah, okay. Okay. So, man, you, I like your backstory and everything. Just talking about how you've done it just the hard way and just and going and just doing it and just getting it done. So you, you started Nine Finger Chronicles and then, or you know, you got with Mark Kenyon, did all that, and then Nine Finger Chronicles came about. So, man, what I want to talk to you about today, on today's episode, you know, let's let's talk about deer hunting, right? That's, that's what we love to talk about. Absolutely. So, you know, the rut has pretty much come and gone across most of the nation by the time this podcast airs we're going to be in that late season time of year december some seasons are going through january and so i kind of want to pick your brain on some of your late season strategies and how you've been successful that time of year and so kind of give us that that ceiling that 30 foot tree stand view again if you will just kind of like how you approach the late season this is going to sound really weird um, but I, I approach every season the exact same way, right? Whether it's early season, whether it's the rut, whether it is the late season, all right, pre-rut, post-rut, full bore rut, you know, like whatever. There are certain people out there that have like the entire season broken down into every single possible, you know, like, I don't know what it is. They just, they have it. Like, oh, from this date to this date is, yeah. is this phase, from this date to this date is this phase. And to me, I grew up in a in a hunting uh, climate where I didn't I couldn't get out and hunt as much as I wanted to, right? I had to work. And so I was uh, limited to the amount of time that I could get out and hunt. So I was hunting, whether it was 80 degrees outside, whether it was negative 20 degrees outside, whether it was October 1st, whether it was January 1st. Yeah. Okay. So I was getting out whenever I could. And so one thing that I've learned is that deer use, and this is in my opinion, deer use specific terrain features whether they're big giant terrain features or very subtle terrain features i'm 
I am in the, those terrain features, whether that's a pinch point, a staging area, um, uh, a, a draw that leads up to a, a cornfield downwind of some kind of bedding area. These are places that deer hang out, not just part of the year, but all year round. Deer mm-hmm. live out in, the, in and they travel through these spaces. And so my approach has always been find these spots where deer travel and put a tree stand in there. And they're going to come by at some point, right? True. Excuse Very, me. No, you're good. And so, yeah. And so that's that's my approach, man. It's just find where deer travel. It's just, this is the the very boiled down version of it and put a tree stand there or put a ground blind there. And yes, some of these places change throughout the year, um, but the way deer travel through the terrain features is pretty much the same. You know, it's, it's funny you say this because I, where we hunt down here in central Texas, it's, we don't have a super giant piece of property. Like there's ranches out here. There are thousands and thousands of acres and we just got this one little parcel and it's all low fence, free range deer. And it's funny you say this because I've tried to pick it. I've tried to do kind of like what you said is I've tried to break down this place and you know oh man this is going to be a great stand location for this time of year and this and that and then inevitably most of those have failed i've been pretty successful with some of them but it's always boiled down to like what you're saying is there's this one specific area that these deer hang out year round they travel through this one spot for whatever reason and i've put one stand there and i always kill there yeah Yeah. And so the reason I have, like, I believe in this approach and I found success in it is because I do not have the ability or the funds to hunt like the content providers of the world, if that makes sense. Right. The, the, so everybody goes on to YouTube or, or on, uh, you know, YouTube or the outdoor channel or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they see these people with manicured properties, very low pressure. Um, and they're able to just basically sit on a field edge and wait for deer to come to them. Yeah. Well, that, that just didn't happen where, and I, and I, I live in one of the best whitetail States in the country in Iowa here. And that still does not happen right? It's, it's, it was completely unrelatable to me. So I had to find something that worked for me. And that eventually led me off the field edges into the timber, finding these terrain features where deer liked to travel during daylight and, or hang out during daylight. And that's when I started finding more success. Man, it's just a super simplified approach. I like very simple. I yeah, like very that. simple. I like it because, you know, kind of you're saying, you know, it's just there's there's so much out there, so much information and you see all these things on YouTube and and I've been a victim of it where you just overcomplicate it and I love that you just simplify it and you just go and do it, man. Yeah. Yep. I try to take try to take my brain out of it because ultimately my brain is what gets me in trouble when I start to overthink things mm-hmm. and you just something happened for me in 2016 where it became less thinking and more reacting. And I was able to just look at the conditions, know the properties and just be like, I need to be here. And that was it. I go there. 
and have a tree stand. Okay, well, I got into this tree stand. Uh, it, uh, it, it didn't pan out tonight, but I saw deer movement on this next ridge over. All right, time to tear down and get in there the next day into the next ridge over and just being fluid and not being tied down to one particular stand or one particular area. And uh, I know that's a luxury with people who have larger properties, but uh, even, even in smaller properties where, uh, you know, movement could be limited, I always found myself micro adjusting my tree stand locations to put myself in the right, the right possible spot. Right. So are you looking or, you know, with, with this simplified approach where you're just kind of basically going in that one area, are you worried about moon phase? Are, you know, are you looking at, I know there's guys that if the wind's not just perfect or just right, they're not going in there. Um, they may not go in there for days. Like, are you being picky on when you go in and go out of there and how long you're staying in there or anything like that? There's a, there's a little bit of that. Oh, but I will say this moon phase has no, like there is, I do not think about the moon phase ever at all, ever zero. I, and I would never will think of the moon phase. I don't, I don't understand. Number one, I'm sure the moon has something to do with it. If we were to really break it down and do like an in-depth study on how the moon affects movement of animals throughout the, you know, the world, I'm sure there's something that can be said about it. Yeah. But, but regardless, Regardless of the moon, like where it's at in the sky, whether it's a full moon or a half moon or this, you know, waning crescent, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Deer are still in the woods, right? Yep. And so I don't see, I don't see the moon being a light switch where it's just like, attention deer, it's time to start moving. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, I have, I have seen, and, and I put it to the test a a couple seasons ago or a while ago where I was like, I got in a tree and I said, okay, moon phase. Uh, what's the moon phase say today? Moon phase says it's going to be a, you know, heavy deer movement day. Oh man. And I, I went out and I saw heavy deer movement. Um, and then uh, another time, same scenario, heavy deer movement, didn't see any deer. Right. And so I don't, and, and that kind of leads me back to I don't really hunt field edges anymore because I'm not interested in seeing a lot of deer. I'm interested in having deer within shooting range. And so by tucking myself into a really good uh, travel corridor, pinch point, fence crossing, staging area, downwind of bedding, uh, you know, the, the saddles, I don't know, whatever, whatever your 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 keyword is there that you want to insert mm -hmm. in, in those terrain features. I have seen, I, I have seen and had more deer within shooting range, but less deer overall seen throughout my sits. All right, y'all, we're going to interrupt this podcast real quick for a quick word from our sponsors. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse Footwear, innovating boots that endure with you through every adventure, now and forever forward. The Hunt Stand Podcast is also brought to you by Springfield Armory and Winchester. And finally, the Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Yamaha and its full line of class-defining, adventure-seeking motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-side -side vehicles. 
All right, y'all. We're going to get back to this episode of the Unstand Podcast. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, you know, on that moon topic, you know, it's yeah. it's such a such a controversial thing because there's so many guys that you know they just they live and die by it and then you know there's guys like you and i that we're just kind of like oh, okay yeah the moon's there you know not really sure if it's doing much to it i'll i'll say the only thing that i think it really affects me in any way down here in texas is you know we hunt off of bait off of feeders you know everybody knows that and the only difficult thing yep. about it for me is when it's a full moon at five, four, eight, four or five a.m., those deer are already pretty much in the area, and so it makes it difficult for me to get in the stands. But other than that, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, I'm not going to go hunting because it's it's a bad moon day. It's like, no, I'm just I'm getting in the stand. I'm hoping an opportunity comes by. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So something else I want to talk to you about. You know, it's this time of year. There's a lot of people that have harvested they've been successful they've gotten their target bucks and then there's also a lot of people that haven't done it yet you know it's they may have had opportunities they may have had misses or they just haven't seen the deer yet and so i think social media is partially to blame for this but people will start to for lack of better terms kind of freak start to freak out like man i haven't killed that buck yet like i gotta kill that buck gotta kill that buck but Killing that target buck or not killing that target buck doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't have a successful season. And so what I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, if you don't kill that target buck or let's say you don't even kill a deer this year, you can still have a successful season, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, man. And I learned, I had to learn that uh, probably 10 some years ago Mm -hmm. where I was like, I would say that leading up to from 2006 to 2016, that's roughly 10 years of just sucking at bow hunting. I mean, I, I had to learn again, like I said, everything the hard way, yeah. getting busted, having to learn access routes, um, real, like refining my setups, knowing things like if I sit in the same, if I sit in a stand and I see a deer across the field, come out of a Creek, uh, and then I go there the next night and I sit in the same stand and I watch the deer come out of the creek. At this point, I'm just throwing wishes out into the air saying, I wish that deer came by me. Yeah. I had to learn that I needed to take that stand down and I needed to walk across that field and set up that stand somewhere where the, my wind wouldn't interrupt his travel uh, pattern and try to get on him the next night. Right. So those type of those type of, uh, educate, you know, that, that type of education. But when it comes to struggling, you really have to ask yourself is what are you doing that is wrong? And are you repeating that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always, I come from, uh, I have some, some experience in lean manufacturing. And so if there is a problem in a process, you have to ask yourself, we there's a uh uh it's like a problem solving or it's like a uh an analysis pro uh, process called five why and you you say why did i get busted well i my access route was wrong why was your access uh uh route wrong well because i parked here why did you park here or it could be i, I got busted in the tree well 
why did I get busted in the tree? Because um, I was set up in the wrong spot. Why were you set up in the wrong spot? And really what you're doing is you're asking yourself five questions to, to find the root cause of what your issue is. And then you can hopefully take that root cause and, and fix it and apply a new method to your approach to kill a, uh, let's just say a target buck. And, and then, and then hopefully what you're doing is you're slowly weeding out all of the, the bad things that you've done in the past and becoming better out of that. And so when it comes to finding a, a target buck this year, I know that's a very complicated answer, but this is where I, uh, let, let's just say right now I'm not tagged out yeah. in, in Iowa. And I am going to, I'm going to throw the exact same process or, uh, approach to deer hunting that I would October one, mm -hmm. October 15th, November one, November 15th, December one, whatever the date is I'm going to, if, if, if I'm running trail cameras, I'm going to go take inventory. I'm going to check all my trail cameras. I'm going to try to locate a deer that I want to shoot. Uh, B, I'm going to move into those areas. I'm going to look for the, the best trail. I'm going to look for the best possible sign. I'm going to set up in those areas. I'm going to wait for deer to come through. I'm going to observe my surroundings. I'm going to look for um, deer movement. If that deer movement is close to me within shooting range, then I might sit there for a couple days. But if it's not, and I notice that deer are coming down a different ridge or draw or subtle terrain feature, or they're hugging a hugging a crick or something like that, I'm moving to where that heavy movement is. And so I'm, I'm just continuously shrinking down the area until I find the spot that is just, you know, I'm, I'm watching deer walk right under my stand all day. Yeah. So, you know, I, how, so let's look at it, you know, let's say you don't tag, right? Let's say yep. you, you get through the, the end of the year do you ask yourself before the season starts, you know, like, okay, if I don't get that target buck or I don't even get a buck this year, like, what am I hoping to get out of the season? Like, what are my goals? Do you do that? Yes, absolutely. I, I kind of have a goal and it's the floating goal, right? Sometimes it changes throughout the season. Um, I used to be a guy who said, I only want to shoot uh, a certain caliber of deer. Right. I want to shoot a four-year-old. I want to shoot a five-year-old. You know, I, I want to, I want it to be this or that or this or that. But what I've realized is that my goal, my goal is to pretty much go after the, the, the most mature buck on whatever farm that I'm, I'm hunting. And so this year was a perfect example where my main farm that I'd been hunting for like 14 years, I noticed there was more cattle in it this year way more human pressure there was wild dogs there's horses there's all there's other hunters there's all this activity and it pretty much just stifled the deer the deer movement and deer movement had just left the area and and not all deer movement but like the big mature bucks they just were not here this year yeah so luckily i had over the summer i'd gotten access to a new farm and so I put trail cameras out, did my due diligence there to try to locate something. And I noticed that there was some good deer on this property. And so, and so I just wanted to locate good deer 
I've found the good deer and then go after the top tier animals on that farm. And I don't ever really like, I used to be the guy who was like, I have to only shoot this buck. Yeah. And that led me to passing a lot of good deer over the years that I should have shot because I had never shot some of these deer. Like I can remember I was chasing a deer in 2009, I believe it was. It was either 2008 or 2009. I think it was 2009. And at that time, he was like a 180-inch, typical, like non-typical 10-pointer. Just He had, he had wow. junk and splits all over. He was, he was a huge deer. And I was 100% focused on that buck. And, and then a 100 and... And a hundred and uh, what was it? A hundred and fifty inch ten pointer comes underneath me and just sits, like hangs out. Oh, and I, and I, I just passed him, and I had never what? shot. Yeah, and so I had never shot a hundred and fifty inch ten pointer before, but I was so focused on this other deer where I didn't want to shoot this buck. But this leads me to the point where I was, uh, you know, I had never even drawn back on a deer of that caliber before. So like you, in order, like I believe in stair stepping to get to where you're at. So yeah. if you, if you've never bow hunted before and a spike comes out, dude, shoot that spike uh, next year, a, a basket rack eight, that might be like 50 inches, shoot him right next year. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting up into the 110 inch or whatever, you know, and I'm using Iowa here as a reference, shoot a two-year-old, Go through a couple of years of shooting two and three year olds and, and, and just stair step your way up to the point where you're comfortable around big deer. And then you can start being picky and choosy. But you have to understand that, it, that there is something that happens to us all in the for most of us anyway, in the moment of truth where we freak out and we we get really hyped up about drawing back. And it has taken me a very long time to get comfortable around big mature bucks when I'm shooting and while I'm shooting. And so uh, that's a very long way of, of saying um, I, I'm, I'm trying to go after maybe like two or three deer on a particular property. Now do you th- you've developed that because would you say you have regrets on passing like that 150 that you had just lay underneath you dang near? Oh dude, I, I passed so many good deer back back then i look back into that that time frame from 2007 until 2000 and 2007 to 2011 i i passed so many deer i should have shot it was it was stupid and a lot of it had to do with the first time i ever got a trail camera yeah and i put it i put it out and the farmer said uh I showed, I showed the farmer, the pictures of the deer that were on the farm. And he's like, Hey man, don't shoot that deer. That's just a small buck. And it was like a, you know, 120 inch eight pointer. And I thought it was, I thought it was like a really big buck at the time. And he tells me, don't shoot that. There's, there's so much, there's so many bigger deer out here. And I, and yes, I I started to see those bigger deer. And so when that mixed with some of the content that I was watching back in the day, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like, Oh, so-and-so only shoots big bucks. Well, I'm like, shit, I, I live in Iowa. I, I'm going to, I want to shoot big bucks. And so 
I I lived in this this realm of make believe because I was holding out for something that may not have existed. But for but there were some deer that did exist, and I, I can remember in 2010 on my birthday, I I hit a 210 inch buck high and never recovered him. And the oh. next year, <laughs> the next year he was shot by the neighbor. And that buck made the cover of North American whitetail. No, so, <laughs> but I tell you, I'll tell you this: the guy who shot it is one of like the greatest people of all time. So it's, uh, it, you know, I had no problem with that. But I, I guess what I'm getting at here, and I, 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 as you can hear, I like to talk about deer. But I, I guess what I'm getting at here is, like, I really, I really want to just tell people to shoot deer. Like yes. get comfortable shooting deer, man. If a doe comes by, shoot this, shoot that doe, just put her in your freezer, man. Uh, the next doe that walks by, if you're brand new and you have the tags for it, shoot that doe, stack the bodies. That's going to get you comfortable. And then if you start to chase bucks or a certain caliber of antler size or whatever it is, you start stair stepping into that, you become comfortable in those scenarios, and it just makes you a better a better hunter in the moment of truth. Man, that that couldn't be more true. Like just getting reps in the red zone. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not dogging. I have an older brother. I'm not dogging on him by any means, but I got him into bow hunting about four years ago, and he's killed a couple of pigs with his bow. We've gone elk hunting. Uh, we've been unsuccessful so far up there with bows, but he hasn't killed a deer yet with his bow. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he missed a really nice buck out at our place a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this buck has just been playing cat and mouse with him. I said, man, I'm like, you need to get some practice on on a doe or, you know, like we, he had a other, another nice buck come in and, you know, he kind of had that same scenario, you know, after you've missed this buck, he's like, man, I'm just, I'm dead set on that deer. I'm going to pass this deer. And now that we're starting to run out of time, he's kind of having those regrets about, man, I don't know when yeah. I'm going to get to come back out here. I, you know, maybe I'll shoot that buck that came by me if he comes by again, or, you know, I need to shoot a doe. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny hearing you talk about this because it's making me think about him in this whole situation this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't like, that's the, I, I don't like giving advice, but that's the advice that I would give to someone who, I don't know, wants to become better at something. And that's do the thing that you ultimately want to do. And that's put a broadhead through the vitals of a deer. Yep. Get that arrow red. Yep. Absolutely. Well, man, I know we're running slim on time here, but what I like to do towards the end of these podcasts, you know, do you have any kind of last minute golden nuggets or just kind of that little special tip in regards to, you know, defining your success or any of those late season strategies? Yeah. Okay. So if we're talking late season, this is not rocket science at this point, find the food, right. Mm -hmm. And, and you find the food, you're going to find the deer. And it's that, I mean, it's literally that simple. Now this goes back to let, let's say a farmer didn't get his, his standing corn this is like a midwest problem right farmer didn't get to his corn uh, it's still in there and there's a, a block of timber or finger that leads up to it and, and oh let's, oh it's snowed all right now we see this this really defined trail mm -hmm. right 
And now we can see where the deer are coming back and forth, back and forth, bed to food pattern on the standing corn or food source. If you're further south, there might be a green field, uh, clover patch or ag field or something like that, that these deer are hitting. It, it almost goes back to uh, an early season slash scouting approach to where the deer are coming off of the rut. They've been pressured by a gun season usually and they're just tired right all they want to do is sit on their butt and then go eat food yep and so it becomes straight line again bed to food bed to food and depending on the wind direction depends on their their access route to the the food source and so i you just got to find a spot in that line usually in a good terrain feature that funnels deer down and just access it properly without bumping them, without putting your wind in their nose. And, and it's like, I feel it, it's usually that simple. It's just finding them at this point and finding that pattern, which takes, could take some time. So if you have trail cameras, put the trail cameras back out, look for the sign, look for the, the tracks in the dirt, uh, look for the, uh, uh, you know, the trails in the snow, if you're up North and, and just start the process over again. I like it. I like it, man. Yeah. It's you just got to pick it apart do what you can, the best you can. And, uh, yeah. hopefully you come out on top. Yeah. And the whole, the whole point of this is to, ha- to find enjoyment out of it. Yes. Right. I, I try not to go into every season and say it is it's rack on the wall or nothing, or it's failure, right? If I don't shoot a, a big buck, I'm going to fail, man. I'm past that. I, I don't like, I just absolutely love sitting in a tree and observing nature. Yes. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking about like just deer. I'm talking about, dude, this year I saw two owls fight for the first time in my life. Serious. Yeah. Two, two owls were just going at it. And I was like, that's awesome, right? Saw some bobcats doing bobcat stuff. I saw squirrels doing squirrel stuff. I saw birds doing bird stuff. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, but man, I just, I, I, it's, it is so much better than any TV show. You know, this is the real world. And I, I don't know what it is, but I just love, love watching that stuff unfold. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because when I first started bow hunting, you know, my dad, we, we had access to a, an aunt and uncle that had some acreage. And so they let us come out there. And, you know, as a young guy, I was like, man, I didn't see the buck today. I didn't see any deer. And, but like kind of what you ran through, I might've had some fox in the area or, you know, yeah. just some other wildlife. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I just saw that, you know, whatnot. And my dad would, my dad kind of has that same mindset back then where he's like, I just want to go up there and sit in the tripod or in a ladder stand and just watch. Like, I don't even have to kill anything. And as a kid, I would always look at that like, man, you're nuts. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, as a eight to 18 year old, that's how I used to look at it. And now hearing you say this, and as I'm getting older, you know, I'm 30 years old, I've got a daughter and, you know, I just like going up and getting a tree. And if I kill, I kill. If I don't, it's, it's still a successful day in my mind because I'm just blessed to be able to go up in that tree and do what I do, you know? Yeah, that's a fact, man. That's a fact. I can't wait to get my kids out. I mean, they beg me all the time. They're just, they're not quite ready yet to get out there 
and be quiet and sit still. But when they are, I think my entire focus as a hunter is going to shift into educating them, getting them on deer. Mm-hmm. And if there's if there's time left over, then I'll I'll turn back into the killer and I'll go out and and uh uh you know try to try to get what I want done. But I think pretty soon I'm gonna see a shift in my in my hunting behavior, in my hunting goals. And it's going to be 100% family, family focused. I'm right there with you, man. I've got a two-year-old right now that, in fact, yesterday morning, like most time in the morning, she wants to watch Mickey Mouse. And now it's gotten to the point where she wants to watch deer hunting. Like yeah. hearing her say that yesterday morning, like deer hunting, deer hunting. I'm like, oh yeah. boy, <laughs> oh boy. I love hearing that. So I got a, I got a funny story for you. Uh, and I didn't think my son, my oldest son was ever going to get into it. Like you can kind of tell he's just not, he, he wasn't getting into it. Right. Yeah. He was my, my oldest, my oldest kid was my daughter. She was like, dad, let's go. want to go hunting. want to go turkey hunting. I'm like, baby, you're vibrating when you're in the woods. Like you got to settle down. You can't, you can't move so much. And so, and so, um, my son, we're out in the summertime and we like to go and we call deer drives Yeah, where we go in the summertime, take the binoculars out and, uh, really get in, um, uh, you know, like just glass the bean fields. And it really, what it is, is just a way for me to spend time with my boys. Um, my daughter comes sometimes too, but I'm looking at these does and there's a small buck out in this field. And my son's like, dad, that's a huge buck. I said, no, buddy, that's just a little, that's just a little, uh, like a, a fork horn. Yeah. He goes, no, no, dad. No. And I'm like, no, Mac, bud, that's not a big buck. Like it, it's there. And he goes, he, he literally grabbed my beard. I think it like my beard and pulled me. And I looked further down the bean field and he spotted this absolute giant uh buck with his bare eyes he's like dad i told you that's a big buck yes. and i'm like i'm like that's a big buck yeah, you're right buddy and we like give each other high fives and all that stuff and and so he's got it in him i just have to uh i have to water it if that makes sense yeah absolutely you've got to you've got to help him control it and guide him yeah yep. yes Man, I love to hear that. Well, Dan, man, I really appreciate you just taking the time to hop on here and talk about all these things and just podcasting with me today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime. Tell us real quick and tell all the listeners, you know, where can we find you? Where can we find your podcast if they want to take a listen to your podcast as well? Yeah. So I I think the best thing to do is to go to sportsmen's s-p-o-r-t-s-m-e-n-s empire.com that's the network that i own and we have like man i'm looking right now let's see we got uh six twelve eighteen like we're talking like damn near 20 different outdoor hunting podcasts some of the best in, in my opinion some of the best in the industry on there including the nine finger chronicles the hunting gear podcast the how to hunt deer podcast and, and a lot more but um, if you're if if you want to go look at what i do uh sportsmansempire.com is where you're going to find it love it man well dan appreciate your time this morning hope you and your family have a very happy and blessed thanksgiving same to you man all right y'all there you go we just want to thank dan for his time today and just bringing out some nuggets and just some information just to to help y'all 
define success. You know, you may or may not have killed yet. You still got time. Some people, your uh, seasons across the nation, there's some seasons that have closed already. Some people might be done hunting already. And so hopefully you'll be able to take something out of the season, whether or not you were successful and just being able to define success and what that success looks like to you, whether or not you killed. So again, y'all, we just want to thank you for tuning in on the stand podcast. We really appreciate the support and we'll see you next time.